and now IKEA they have they're coming out with a uh, blind that's going to be HomeKit enabled, so you can be all like, "Hey Siri, open the blinds." Right. Oh, so you can have the Vegas experience at home. That's right. My God, guys, I don't. Oh. I can't believe you've been holding back on me. Like maybe I would have gone to more micro comps if I would have known there was some some freaking like James Bond automatic blind situations happening. They've been in business for seven years and they still don't know what they're doing. I guess a podcast seemed natural. Here's Founder Quest. Yeah. So. I, I really enjoyed going to microconf with you guys. It was a lot of fun getting to see everybody, getting to be there with uh, Ben Finley and and stuff. It was uh, it's pretty intense in terms of conferences. I feel like everybody there is like way more extroverted than I am. But I got my little I got my little uh, you know I got my little connections in. I got my networking in. Yeah, I, I guess it's probably you know overall more extroverted than your typical like developer conference because a lot of the people there are interested in running their own business and you know they're already down with the idea of doing marketing and sales and so they're like i guess a little more out there than your typical developer might be yeah and i wonder if the uh so there's two editions right there's the starter edition and the growth edition and Mm -hmm. they happen uh the the growth edition happens first which is where you have mostly people sort of like us who already have small businesses and they're they're reasonably successful and then the, the starter edition comes after that and that's people who are looking to start something up from scratch and maybe you haven't done it before so i wonder if maybe the starter edition captures most of the the introverts that could be Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about the conference itself. So MicroConf is a business conference that focuses on sort of micro-sized businesses. And basically that means anything from like zero employees, you're just sort of starting out as a one-person developer. Like it's a very developer-heavy conference. Lots of people there are devs. Uh, but it could be from, you know, zero employees up to, I don't know, the large people there maybe have like the people speaking maybe have 50 to 100 employees, but that's that's, get, that's getting up there. Um, us, as a five-person company, I would say we, uh, I don't know where we fall, but we, we definitely sort of are, are pretty normal there, I think, right? Yeah, I think we, we fall on the bigger size, actually. I think most... Oh, of really? The, yeah, I think most people there are probably at companies of one or two. Wow. I'm not used to being the like big, the big dog. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> How long have you guys been doing this? Like, Ben, you've been doing this for... Like decades at this point, <laughs> he's going to be there soon. Yeah, I think they started in 2011. I was there at the first one, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. The first one was kind of neat because the you know the you know the lean methodology, right? Where you go out and you find the customers first, and then you build whatever they want rather than yeah. building the product first. Yeah, so the, the lean methodology was really hot back in 2011, and so when they when they first started microcom, they're like, you know what? We don't even know if anybody's gonna want to do this. We don't know if anybody's going to show up, and so they like totally advertised the conference before it really existed, just to see if there was interest. And when people like were signing up, it's like, oh, we should probably put on this conference. So Rob and Mike like got everything together, you know, and it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. It was at the at the Rio or the Hard Rock, I can't remember which one. And uh, yeah, first, it's always in Vegas. Years, yeah, I was in Vegas. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, going on since since 2011. They've actually added European ones as well. I haven't been to any of those. Uh, but uh, so like every every six months, there's a microconf either in Europe or in Vegas. And when it started out, it was really, I don't know, it was kind of this whole revelation. It was this, uh, this scrappy little thing. People were figuring out, okay, well, we've got this new world that we're living in where you have 
Ruby, you have Rails, you have Heroku, all these things that allow people to make a uh, software business with very few people, as long as you you know know how to make software. And people were sort of figuring this out, and it just felt very exciting and stuff. And this year, well, I didn't go to the first one, but I was sort of in the scene, right? I was around. And this one was like, it was good, but like you could tell it's kind of, uh, it's been around for a while. It's a little bit more stable. Most of the people mm-hmm. who we met there and who we hung out with, we've met there and hung out with at other microcomps. It's not bad, but uh, how do you guys think it's changed over the years? You, you've been to more than I have. Well, we were going to mention, or I was going to mention that, um, as Ben said, it you know it started out kind of small and grew, and up until recently, it was just a single, like a single track. I guess it's always been a single track conference, and it still is. But we mentioned they recently split it into two, uh, basically two separate events. Um, there's the growth and the starter, and um, and so we're in the growth now. I think that I have a suspicion that maybe the starter would feel a little bit more familiar to us, just because uh, that's kind of assume that's where we spent more of our time, kind of in the beginning with microcomp, but. I don't know. Okay, that's a good point. So maybe the people in the starter are getting that that sort of like new new conference experience. Like this is all new and exciting for them. But yeah, I would think so. I th- I would I would kind of assume. Well, I don't know. I would assume that there's um you know a lot of the people at Growth uh, have been there for a while if they have a successful business. Um, at least that's in our case that's the case. So, but I can totally see why they got rid of or why they split the conference into two because after you've been going to the you know the equivalent of the starter edition for a while it's it's all kind of similar stuff and you're like okay well that's great like you're telling me how to validate a market but I've already validated my market I've got customers I just need to figure out how to get more of them I think it's good so what's what's your favorite you know let's not let's not uh, just spend all our time sort of playing you know the the sort of grumpy old man talking about how things were better when we were younger <laughs> before we were so jaded by by reality and hard business you know facts and life. <laughs> So what, what did you guys really like about MicroConf this year? I think the best part about MicroConf is that the people that are there, like hanging out with my tribe, really. Uh, yeah. Meeting other entrepreneurs, other people who are really into both technology and business. You know, they don't, you don't find that crowd around very much. Like if you go to a developer conference, you're dealing with a lot of developers, obviously. And th- that the intersection of developers who care about business at a technical conference can be very small, but at microconf it's it's huge, right? But almost everyone there is into both, so it's it's a lot of fun hanging out with the people who are doing the same things you're doing. And uh, to me, that's the best part, like meeting up with people that I've been, you know, keeping track of for the past ten years and seeing how their business is progressing and learning from from what they've learned and and uh, you know commiserating about mistakes made and that sort of thing. I think that's to me is the, the really awesome part about microconf. I agree. It's really fun to be able to talk to people who are doing sort of the similar stuff than than you are, but but let me tell you boys like i've never felt so completely enclosed in a demographic before like i was sitting there watching the 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 speaker whatever looking around the room and i'm like oh my goodness everyone here looks exactly like me and is like exactly the same age as me and i've never seen so many balding shaved head men in a room trying to rock the (laughs) jason statham look and not really succeeding is that's that's sort of how i view myself and i I think you're (laughs) succeeding star (laughs) Well, thank you. I got this. I got this beautiful shirt. Um, so that's helping me. Yeah. So it's just so strange just being around because you go to tech conferences and tech conferences are very uh, monotone kind of. There's lots of you know white guys and everything. But you know, I'm usually kind of the the old guy in the room. I'm usually not quite. I don't quite fit in. Even though I'm you know nobody questions my 
right to be there. But this time it was just really almost bizarre just how median I felt. So you're saying that if you are an aging software developer, that microconf could be a good career path for you. I'm, I'm not sure I'd say I'm an aging software developer. <laughs> I would say I have a I have an excellent vintage. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds better. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're maturing. We're, uh, yeah. But you know, that's actually kind of interesting. When I was getting started in my career, uh, you know, I, I was looking forward and, and seeing there's definite ageism in tech, right? Like the, the older you get, the more skeptical the looks are when people are trying to evaluate whether or not you're really skilled. And uh, so I thought about that. Like when I was in my 20s, I'm like, okay, so um, what am I going to be doing in my 40s? Right. So maybe, and I started making some plans like, well, if I get, if I have to age out of tech, then I think I want to go and get a law degree. I'll go to law school and I'll become a lawyer and go into like intellectual property law or something like that. I ended up not doing that plan at all. Instead, I ended up founding my own business. <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe there's something there. Maybe there's some connection. Like the reason why you're seeing a bunch of you know people about your age and about you know your kind of style is that they're all like, hey, I'm doing my own thing, so that I'm not subject to the whims of whatever ages it might be out there. Yeah. Well, I, I I always kind of thought that like building building your own business is a little bit like you get to solve similar challenges to software development in a lot of ways. And I, it kind of like scratches that itch a little bit for me too. So maybe that's, maybe there's something there. Yeah, that's interesting. I've also spelt, spent a lot of time thinking about this and I've just decided, you know, screw it. I'm going to be like loud and proud. It's like, I'm an old man. Great. You can come look at my wrinkles. I'll still freaking code circles around you. I don't care. Come on, yeah, let's, let's just, do this. Just get like, get like a gold plated walking stick, you know? Yeah. It's like, come on, yeah. children. Let's uh, rumble. <laughs> let's see who comes out on top. I will say that uh, that Ben's Ben's that story Ben tells about how he uh, he had like a backup plan of uh, becoming an attorney when he was forty, like in his twenties. Uh, that is why Ben is in charge of our infrastructure uh, because he <laughs> he always has he always has a backup plan, and uh, backup plans are good when you're running a uh, yeah traffic traffic heavy application. That's true. Did I ever tell you guys that I took the LSAT? I sat for the LSAT. You That's did, cool. I think so. Yeah, that that was really cool. Um, yeah, well, that surprised told, me. I haven't told the readers, so or the listeners. So <laughs> I mean, I'll, no, I'll, you, I'll tell, tell you. it, Star. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't get the memo about uh, about presentation. So, uh, yeah. So I was after I got my chemistry degree, uh, my bachelor's. I was casting around, didn't know what to do. Was looking to law school, and because at that time, lawyers made a lot of money. But I guess a lot of people had that same thought, and that you know, economics and the invisible hand had something to say about that, huh? Yeah. So I, I studied, I took the LSAT and everything. And it was the weirdest thing because I, I didn't really feel particularly good at it. I didn't feel like I did particularly good, but I ended up getting like a 99th percentile or something. And I, I think wow. the reason for that is because at the time I took the test, I had decided I was not going to law school, but you know, I paid a hundred bucks for this test. And at that time, a hundred bucks was like a lot of money. It was a serious investment. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take this and whatever, come what may, let's see what happens. And I think that's the power of uh, not being nervous in a room where everyone around you is sweating bullets. It was the strangest experience in my life because I was just sitting there completely relaxed and happy and everyone around me was so intensely terrified. Uh, like they could see their future hanging in the balance. But yeah, so I don't know. That doesn't have anything to do with tech, but... It's an interesting story. Plus, I get to like yeah. humble brag that you know I got a ninety nine percentile, and I didn't even want to do it. Yeah, like yeah. I think, and now, like 
if I if I put my mind to something, think of like what I could do. And and you ended up making <laughs> and you you ended up making more money than a than a lawyer in the Midwest anyway. So it's all it's all I good. Know, I don't know. I think maybe I might make a similar amount of money to a lawyer in the Midwest. We'll see. <laughs> well, you know, on, on that note. I think one of the things that's interesting is that about microconf in particular, it wasn't so much this time as it has been in years past, but the focus of microconf, the micropreneur, the solo entrepreneur, you know, community that's been built up around microconf is to be able to support your life and your family and the things that are important to you, as opposed to like maximizing for revenue, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, the message has consistently been like, we're in this to, uh, to be able to do the things that are important to us, like spending time with our family, or maybe it's travel the world or whatever, uh, as opposed to, I want that billion dollar exit. Right. And, you know, we've definitely taken that approach in our business. We have a similar kind of mindset where like, we're in this to support our lives. Not, we're not here to, to slave away so that we can hope for a lottery ticket that makes us multimillionaires so that we can you know, have that private jet to the private island, right? I mean, we wouldn't turn those things down, right? <laughs> but, uh, but that hasn't been our goal. And I think that's one of the things that's really interesting about the microconf crowd is that the, pretty much everyone there is, is on board with that idea. And, and in previous years, like every speaker would have a slide that had a picture of their family. And they're like, yeah, this is why we're doing this. And that wasn't as much there this year. I don't know. Maybe that just uh, fell out of trend, trendiness or whatever. But uh, but still, I think that that thought is there. That you know, we do this not necessarily for maximizing our our income, but for maximizing the joy that we have in our life. I liked uh, Jason Freed, who did a Q and A um, at MicroConf this year. I really liked what he had to say about how they optimize for profit at Basecamp versus like optimizing for revenue. Um, which kind of helps them uh, run a stable business and um, give everyone a really good salary and kind of just plan for a sustainable long term versus uh, like chase always chasing the next you know the next way to make a dollar. And I when I was thinking about how that applies to us, because I mean we've always talked about you know we're kind of we're kind of optimizing for profit or I don't know we've I think we've kind of put it differently. Um, but I kind of like, I think of us more as almost optimizing for, uh, for freedom or independence even over, over profit because profit, like you could still work 60 hour weeks in, you know, in search of profits. And, um, I don't think we're, we're not about that at all. We're more about like, do we have to work at all? Or, you know, if we don't feel like it, do we really want, yeah, maybe we want to like go out on a bike ride or, you know, go do something else, hang out with our families. Yeah, it took me forever to realize that that I'm not morally obligated to make as much money as humanly possible, which you wouldn't think that you have to realize that because it's obvious. But for some reason, I don't know. One thing that Jason Fried also said that really just bumped him up a couple of notches in uh, in my estimation is like he was asked something like, "Okay, well, what what? How would you do it again? Like, how would you how would you uh, do a startup if you wanted the same level of success that you currently had?" And he's he's basically just said, "I don't know." He said, "The reason that we got so successful is mostly luck and timing." And he said, "The reason that he's so intent on sort of pushing Basecamp as sort of a single uh, a product and entity and everything is because he doesn't really have much faith that he could." equal that success with something else. And I thought that was really honest. And that's 
that's very, uh, it seems very real to me because having been involved in a small business my, myself, you know, Honey Badger, I think a lot of our success is due to luck and timing. And like we can try and uh, find another wave and be lucky and, and have good timing again, but it's not really something you can, you can just decide to do. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things he said, I think it was in relation to, uh, to selling, like someone asked him, you know, well, would you ever sell base camp or, cause you know, it's kind of the, it's kind of the, uh, template to, you know, you sell, have a big exit and then you go and, um, grind and build the next thing and try to sell that too. Um, but the thing he said was he didn't want, he just said, I don't want to lose the good old days. You know, you don't know if you sell your company and you have a good thing going now. Um, you don't know that you're going to get that back necessarily. And if you do, it will be with a, a ton of hard work and, and sweat and toil. So I kind of like that. And I think that, uh, you know, we're, I feel like we're in the good old days still here with Honey Badger. And so I think we're definitely the good old days. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, so it's like happy days. Who's the Fonz? <laughs> I think I, I think you're the Fonz uh, star. Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm not cool enough to be the Fonz though. Well, I think you could be though. I think you're getting there. One thing that I noticed was kind of this trend in across several microconf talks was this like okay, we've built a company. Here's some things that haven't gone right. Here's uh, maybe we expected to make a billion dollar company and we didn't. And this is really interesting to me because it's it. Like a lot of times when you start out uh, in, well, I don't know about you guys, but when we started out, I was like, yeah, lifestyle business optimized for uh, happiness and all this stuff. But secretly, there was a little voice inside of my head that was like, you know what? You're, you're still going to be freaking rich. You're still going to get like the yacht and the Iron Man suit and all that. And I mean, let me tell you, uh, at least with this business, that's not going to happen. You know, we make a nice living, uh, have a, we have a great, you know, lifestyle and everything. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but we're not, we're not making like Jeff, Jeff Bezos, like Jeff Bezos, like our, our lifestyle is a rounding error on like, like Jeff Bezos <laughs> pays more in tips in a year than we make. Probably. I don't know, star, you know, there's, there's some pretty cheap yachts out there. Like they, it doesn't have to be, they don't all have to be shiny and you know, like, yeah, you could get a budget yacht probably. Do they have inflatable yachts? The, I'm sure they have something. Yeah. Like, like a Zodiac or something. Can we get like the, Oh yeah. Okay. We're, we're totally, yeah. We could totally have Zodiac. Oh wait, how about, how about a, um, how about one of those big like swamp thing? You know how they have in the swamps, the big fans in the back? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name like, of the, those. Yeah, um, I've ridden uh, in one before because yeah, I kind of grew up in a swamp. But yeah, what you grew up in a swamp? No, I grew up. I grew up near uh, my family. Grew up in the like uh, Sacramento Valley uh, wetlands area in California, and um, and they would ride those boats around. Were um, there gators? Sometimes. Uh, no, we don't, we don't have, uh, we don't have gators out there. There's no Most gators. It's not a swamp, Josh. I'm sorry. Try, it's, uh, stop, trying, stop trying to appropriate swamps. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's mostly muskrats to be honest. So I don't know. Yeah. Business is a brutal, brutal, uh, reality and it will crush you on the shore. Like the waves of business will crush you on the shore. And then you have to figure out, you know, what you're going to do with your crushed little shattered, broken dreams. That's sort of when some real growth maybe happens with you as a person and you realize that maybe your, uh, your dreams weren't actually your dreams. They were just, you know, some, some bullshit that somebody told you you should believe. I don't know. I think business is very interesting because it really forces you to confront your desires in your life and, and like how your, uh, your desires sort of match up with your willingness to do work. Right. Because mm -hmm. like we all want to be rich, but like, I don't know, I'm not going to put in 80 hour weeks to 
become rich. I don't care. I'm not going to do that. Like I want to see my daughter. So yeah, there was, there was a feel, there was that sort of feel, um, which I thought was really sort of cool and interesting and honest. Yeah. So one of the highlights for me for microconf was, uh, the, the mixer at the end, every, uh, since they switched to the growth starter, uh, kind of two track thing. Um, and people don't often, uh, get to see each other because before it was all, you know, it was all one thing, but now some people might go to growth and some might go to starter, but they, they don't go to both. Um, so they do a a mixer, um, on the last night of growth, which is the, um, technically I think like the night before starter, they do a networking event where both, both, uh, conferences can kind of get together and mingle and, network and stuff. And, uh, and that's kind of been my, one of my favorite things over the last couple of years, just to, since I don't, I haven't been able to go to starter, um, just because I can't handle Vegas for that long. It's, it's nice to see some of those people and also to, to meet some of the new people that are, uh, you know, kind of just getting started. They are where we were, you know, maybe, um, you know, five, six years ago. And so it's kind of nice to be able to talk to them. I feel like I can be a lot more helpful than I can to someone who's got like, you know, a 50 person company. What were some hot tips that you gave, gave, uh, the aspiring young business people? Oh, I don't know. I don't really give out hot tips. I kind of just listen. And well, I, I was actually asked by, by one, one of those attendees, like what's, what kind of lessons learned, you know, would you share? And, uh, it just so happened that I've been thinking for the past couple of days about that topic and you know, what, I have learned in this time. And one thing that stuck with me is that doing something that you really enjoy is very helpful. Like, because you know, we've been at this for seven years and we've had ups and we've had downs and there've been, you know, some pretty exciting times and there've been some long slogs and having a mission, like where we care about what we're doing, like we really care about making developers lives better and building a tool that developers love. That really helps like the day-to-day, the ups and the downs and getting through the slogs. And so my, my suggestion with him was like, cause he was, he was asking like, well, I could do this or I could do that. Cause a lot of entrepreneurs, I think you'll find have like this entrepreneurial ADD where there's like, I got this idea and I've got that idea. And like you know, five days, you have five different businesses you could work on. And so he was telling me about the ideas that he had and they all sounded good. And I said, well, the one thing I would tell you is like, find the one that you really think you'll enjoy working on. Not, not that you have to have a passion per se, because some people say, oh, you gotta, you gotta do your passion. I don't necessarily believe that. But if you have two options and one of them is something that you enjoy and one of them is something that's like, eh, it could make money. I would go with option one, right? Because that's going to help keep you going much better than the money at the end, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I would even add to that and say that even if you think that one, even if you think the option that you don't enjoy is going to make more money, maybe still go with the option you'll enjoy because frankly, none of us are very good at predicting what's going to make money. Like, let's be honest, let's be real. So you might as well just like, if you're going to succeed, succeed in something you enjoy. And if you're going to fail, you might as well have a good time while the the ship's going down. So I think even just, being able to focus on something for a sustained period of time is kind of like a success factor too. Like a lot of times, like if you're not interested in what you're working on, like you're not going to really want to keep working on it. Um, you know, you might being interested in what you're working on helps you kind of keep the focus over the long term. So how long did you guys stay at that mixer? Like I kind of cut out early cause I was exhausted. We say it's about what nine ish, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's about our usual, like, it the the audio levels tend to like raise progressively as the night you know as the night goes on, and I think nine or you know nine thirty ten is usually um, usually when Ben and I hit our limit. 
Um, okay. So you stayed yeah. like an hour, hour and a half after I left. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. not too bad. Usually my, my limiting factor is my voice. Like because of that, you know, volume always going up, you have to speak louder and louder. And basically I'm yelling at people for an hour straight. Right. And so I'm just done after a while. Oh, totally. See the main problem, you guys liked the closing mixer, but I like the opening mixer because my problem with conferences is I am an extreme introvert, right? Like I can be friendly with people, but I got maybe an hour of friendliness in me per day. And something like a conference where you're just constantly interacting with people all the time like that, by the end of the conference, that gets down to maybe 10 minutes a day so that I just need to like crawl back to my cave and like be in the dark and, you know, fondle my precious ring or whatever. Yeah. So I really enjoyed the opening mixer. I felt like I met a lot of cool people. Um, I met the, uh, the guy who does the art of product, um, podcasts. Yeah. Ben. Um, yeah. Ben, he was really cool. Um, I met Eric um, from Less Video or Less. Is it Less Video? Le- or less less films. films. Yeah, Less yeah. Films. Eric is from Florida, and he will talk your ear off about Florida. And you know, by the end of the night, you'll want to freaking go to Florida. Like that is <laughs> he is literally the nicest, friendliest man I think I've ever met. Yeah, yeah, I like Eric. Yeah. We should totally relocate to to uh, Panama City. <laughs> oh, my mortgage would be a lot less. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So speaking of Eric, um, one of the, the coolest things I think that I've done at any microconf, um, probably, or at least let's say just in Vegas is, uh, the pinball hall of fame. And I had no idea that this place existed, but it's literally like, it's, I think it was like a mile or two up the, um, up the, uh, I think it was Tropica- Tropicana, um, is it Boulevard? Um, but yeah, it's like a couple miles up the street from the Tropicana where microconf is hosted. And it's like, it looks like it's in an, an abandoned, uh, shopping center. Like there's no, not, not really any signs or anything. There's like an open sign over the door and that's pretty much it. But you walk in and it's like wall to wall vintage pinball machines. Um, some dating back to the fifties and a lot of them are in great working condition. So you can actually go and play a lot of them. And, uh, and so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm so jealous that I missed that. I love pinball. Yeah. Yeah. I know you do. I, we will uh, definitely have to go. Um, what will maybe all three of us will go back next year if we happen to be there and, uh, yeah, definitely be going back to that. That would be fun. Oh, and the, the, the last thing, uh, the, the, the main thing we did at microconf is we launched this, this heckin podcast guys. Yeah. Good job. Go us. <laughs> you can, uh, you can kind of like, uh, I don't know, put in some clapping or like, you know, crowd audio effects there. Yeah, totally. I've just got those just, you know, on a button like yeah. uh, Kramer from, from Kramer. <laughs> we, we can get you like, we could get you a little keyboard or something with some sound effects if you want. Yeah, we can get you a soundboard. Yeah. No For sure. Really? Really? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, well, dude, yeah, this you is why this regret that decision, sir. <laughs> this is why we do what we do because you know we're the boss. We can we can get you a sound this a soundboard uh, with fart noises if we want to. We'd be doing a podcast in six months where we talk about our biggest mistakes, and that would be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, any anything is worth trying, right? Because you just never know how it's going to turn out. So it's all about experimenting and uh, and iteration. So okay, exactly. Well, it sounds like uh, we all had a pretty good time. Like I know I did. Do you guys have a have a good time? Yeah, great. Gonna, Definitely. Do it again. Yeah, oh, I think so. Ben okay. and I, Ben and I talk about that. Yeah, I think it. Like he said, it's 
um, you know, you really go for some of the talks, but for what you really go for is the people and the, the relationships that you make while you're there and over the years. So I think it would be pretty hard not to go and see, you know, see all the friends we've made and make some new ones. Yeah. If we go again next year, if I go again, I think I want to focus a lot more on this like luxury VIP spa experience. Yeah. You can go for the penthouse suite next year. Oh, totally. So one thing I kind of am tempted to do uh, is maybe just rent one of those uh, places out for the night and just have our own event there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And maybe have like a DJ or some something. I don't yeah. know. Can you have a DJ in your penthouse in Las Vegas? I think sure. you can do whatever you like want. You should be able yeah. to. Can we you have can. real life honey badgers? I, yeah. That's maybe we say <laughs> that mean, for later in the you night. Might, you might need some special insurance, but I'm sure that, <laughs> that I'm sure honey badger insurance exists in Vegas. Well, you know, we, we haven't uh, made any plans like that extravagant before. So that, that would be new. But we, what we have done is we have set up a dinner before. And this is like my favorite microconf hack. And any conference, is, really. Yeah, I guess to go for any conference. Like, you know, what happens is like, you get out of the conference at 5.30 or whatever, and everyone's like, okay, I'm hungry. I want to go eat. And I go, and what's the nearest restaurant? And like, of course, you're trying to do that with 200 of your closest friends trying to get in the closest restaurant, right? And I found one thing that makes a great experience for me is like just making a reservation at a restaurant. It's like, I know it's simple, but it's a mind-blowing experience when like you're hungry and you don't know where to go. It's like, oh, we already have a reservation for table late. Let's just go over there and sit down to eat. It's amazing. So I heartily recommend that to anybody, anytime. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it makes it easier to get people to, to, uh, you know, eat dinner with you too. Yeah. And that is pretty cool to be like, Hey, you know, we're having this nice conversation. Why don't you come to our uh, table at dinner? Yeah. Why don't we continue this over tapas? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think we talked about this. I think the ultimate microconf experience for us would be to just like we get rid of the 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 talks we get rid of you know a lot of the the trappings of the conference stuff we just freaking go like play paintball with people or go camping or like mm -hmm. like that would be so much uh that would be so much fun because like the fun the funnest thing about this whole experience is just sort of hanging out with people and if you could have a place where you had more opportunity to hang out with like the interesting people then like that would be great. I think you're talking, you're talking about BadgerCon. BadgerCon. Is yeah. That, is that what we're talking about? BadgerCon 2020. No, I would totally, yeah. I would totally be into a conference um, with, with some of these same, you know, the same type of people, like Ben said, like our tribe. Um, that's really just all about, you know, like hanging out and, and doing whatever the hell we want. All right. Well, this was fun. I, I enjoyed this. I think this will make a good episode because it's very conversational and ThunderQuest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at HoneyBadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to FounderQuestPodcast.com. That's one word. You can access our huge back catalog or sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive VIP content. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.